You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Watling and Owen Show here on a Tuesday. You wouldn't think it was April with the weather we're having outside, but it is April 19th. Matt Watling, myself, Luke Owen. It's been a couple episodes since we've gotten together, but uh, happy to be back, Matt, and, and plenty to talk about today. But I must ask you, you know, how was your holiday weekend? You uh, traveled home to the island, if you will. Uh, did you did you have a good uh, visit back home? It was nice. It was good to see everybody. I was off on Friday, so I got to fully enjoy our Seder. And then Saturday, uh, a good friend of mine that I work with uh, offered me the, the 10 to 6 shift. So I was able to have off fr- Friday and then really enjoy my night with the family. Uh, you know, working on Saturday. How how was Easter? Did you enjoy it? Was it was it was it very spiritual? It was. You know, got a lot of candy too, so always a always a good time. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's Easter is like a really nice holiday to me. Like, there's not too much flair to it. It kind of just is what it is, which is kind it's kind of nice. But that's you know, a big a nice holiday fam- for your family, isn't it? It's a big holiday for yeah. You know, if you're if you're Christian, it is a big holiday. But in terms of like the get together, you know, there's not a gift exchange there's not you know the the whole the hoopla of thanksgiving i was saying we should normalize posting easter uh easter pictures easter um food pictures instead of thanksgiving pictures because i i actually sneaky really enjoy the easter meal for our family we do a little a little ham and a little uh we did a little barbecue pork loin on the side it was it was a good meal isn't it kind of the same though as thanksgiving to some extent i mean well, thanksgiving is turkey well, you, people go ham as, as a second protein on thanksgiving yeah, I guess. I've seen I, that. I'd say turkey is the mainstay on Thanksgiving. You, know, I would you would have hated our Passover. Associate them. For some Why reason that? on Passover, and this was a great decision we made, our first night we had salmon, and you would have been miserable. Oh, just brutal. It was fantastic, was too. I, I, I made it, of course. You know, I got some lemon in there, got some fresh dill, some parsley. Oh, it was delicious. I still haven't had to eat salmon, so. It's a shame. Uh, we're, shame. we're thankful for that, but a lot to get into today. I mean... The Yankees with a really concerning series uh, in Baltimore. We'll, we'll dive into that. Matt has something to say about how he feels the rest of the season is going to go just based on 10 games. So I'm nervously excited to hear what he has to say about that. Um, the Mets, they're off to a great start. They're 7-3, and three, and I'm really excited for this week for them. They're playing the Giants. Uh, they have a doubleheader starting today. They play a, uh, and I think it's a four-game set with the Giants, and the pitching matchups are just incredible. It's going to be a really fun uh, matchup to watch. And then, of course, the Nets. I mean, the best NBA playoff game this year by far. And to me, the only captivating series, to be completely honest, is the Nets and the Celtics. Celtics took game one off that Jason Tatum buzzer beater. But, Matt, it just came down just a few moments ago that Kyrie Irving has been suspended $50,000 uh, for using obscene gestures towards the fan and also using uh, foul language, I will say, uh, in his post-game press conference. Really not surprising, but... This Kyrie situation has become very interesting because I think a lot of people are saying, you know, he's cool to do it. You know, if the fans are giving it to him, why can't he give them? And then you have other people saying, you know, if you're Kyrie, like, why are you feeding into them? Why are you letting it get to you? But I say it seems to motivate him. I mean, he had a fantastic game one. He played off the charts well. And I could have probably done without some of the comments post game. But I think I think overall, I'm, I'm OK with where the Nets are with Kyrie right now. Yeah, it didn't affect his play at all. It made him better, if anything, I I didn't mind it. I know there were some takes that people were people just like this is who Kyrie is, right? Like he's going to to say this stuff, and I mean I didn't really have any blatant comp- you know issues with what he said during post game. There was one line that he said that I didn't love, but it was not you know it, it wasn't anything that we had written down on our, our page, Luke. I couldn't find everything, but you know I liked when he said 
Um, this is the playoffs, you know, it's going to take it to another level. I liked when he said embrace the dark side because he didn't say that as in like, oh, like I'm, you know, he said like, look, like this is a, it's a dark playoff series because of this rivalry and this hatred. Why would I shy away from that? Embrace it. And he's right. Like this is sports at the end of the day. It's not a big deal. You know, there's no issues with going back at the fans. There was no violence, which was nice. There was no, you know, from what I gathered, no racial comments, which was good, you know, knowing the background of, of some Boston sports fans and, and how they're kind of, how they treat some African-Americans, some black players. So, so that was, you know, it was all good fun and the fans can do it. And him going right back was, was also fun to see. My one question would be, do you think this is a distraction for the rest of the team or a good thing? Because I don't think it's it necessarily dictated the outcome of the game, but I mean, Kyrie was fantastic. He had 39 points. He was six of 10 from three. It seemed like every time they needed a big shot, he hit it. And then the one time, you know, the last possession they had the ball, they're up by one. Kyrie gets double teamed and Durant takes the big shot and he ends up breaking it pretty bad. The Celtics go down, score the game winner. And KD did not have his best game. He ended up with 23 points, but just nine of 24 from the floor. He was a minus 13 overall. And obviously, you know, you say they lost the game, but I mean, Kyrie was a plus six. So Kyrie, clearly his impact was there. It feels like both of them never go off at the same time. But I wonder, you know, does KD care at all? You know, is it going to affect him at all? The fact that, you know, Kyrie's getting all this because, You'd think it'd make him play better because, you know, all the pressure is off. But he kind of struggled in game one. And it seems like they were throwing a lot at him defensively. I think they forced him to take a couple more threes than he wanted. You know, the shots he didn't want to take. And if this is affecting him, like, he's got his own problems, right? Like, this shouldn't impact you if you're a player. And I I don't want to stick too much on the Kyrie stuff just because I think we both agree, like, this was cool. Like, this was a fun thing to watch. And it's creating a rivalry between these two teams. I mean... It's like I said off the jump, and in this series to me had the most intrigue anyways because of the star power and because, I mean, this has that kind of blossomed into a rivalry. But, I mean, this series is is carrying the NBA playoffs right now. Like, no other series. The only other series I'm halfway interested in is Timberwolves-Grizzlies because you get to watch John Moran and Anthony Edwards go back and forth. But other than that, I mean, you know, Golden State's playing really well. The Nuggets stink. Like, there's not The, the Utah not and Dallas series in the first intrigue round. you? Not at all. I mean, Luka's not playing. You're seeing, I, but you're seeing two – Future Knicks, Jalen uh, Brunson and uh, Donovan Mitchell. By the way, Jalen Brunson, man, I was thinking yesterday. 41. Knicks would. I, you you got to do might it, be happy. right? You have to do Knicks it. You have be. the money to spend. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if you asked me at the beginning of the year, would I give him the max? I'd be like, probably not. But, man, the way he stepped up down the stretch without Luka, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with him. And also, like, who is the last, you know, not super high draft pick to, you know, to kind of be like a secondary point guard to step up and take that role? It's, you know, this is a, a bad question for me to ask because I don't remember the guy's name, but the, the guy in Toronto that put up uh, Frank. Uh, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, and, he, and he's performed fairly well to that contract. Yeah, he's he's very good. Yeah. So you give him another no, role. He won't be the number one option if you keep Julius Randle or you have R.J. Barrett. So I definitely think the, the, the Knicks should go there. But back to the Nets, you know, you can't let the Kyrie thing impact you if you're playing. Like, you've got to be above that because it's not directed towards you. And yes, there's extra animosity. And yes, there's this extra stuff. But if you're Kevin Durant and you can't handle it, like, you've handled worst if you're Kevin Durant. You know, I get it if uh, Bruce Brown can't handle it a little bit, but it's not directed towards him. It's just Kyrie. So these guys have got to step up. And you look at that game, and, and as a side note, after Kyrie gave that dude the finger, the, the, the Nets went on like a plus 10 or plus 15, you know, yeah, point run to, to take a lead. And if you're this team, I don't think you hate where you are down 1-0 in this series because you lost a game in which Katie stunk. You had so many turnovers in that game. I think it was like 16 or 17 on the game. KD had six of those. You're out-rebounded by 
what is it, 14, and you still only lose by one. So if Kyrie can be, you know, 35 points, 30 points, and Katie's his normal self, you're winning that game. So moving forward, if you're the yeah. Nets, the only thing you have to worry about is if your defense can't do what it did, you know, on Sunday. And it didn't even make, you know, it made a couple stops here and there, but it wasn't tremendous lockdown defense. No, and I think, I mean, Tatum's going to definitely be an issue. They've got to figure that aspect out. But I think, I mean, overall, I think if, if Tatum doesn't make that that buzzer beater, you're thinking, man, the Nets stole one, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the whole, the whole concept of a seven-game series is try to steal one on the road in those first two games. And it felt like the Nets had it. So it, it could go one of two ways. Either A, it's like you said, you know, they've got confidence. It's like, man, we didn't even play close to our best game and we almost won that game. Or it's, man, we should be up 1-0 right now. Instead, we're kind of down 1-0. And it, it almost makes game two into, you know, a magnified game because, you know, you can go down 2-0 and come back when you're going home and everything. But you, you'd like to be going back to Brooklyn tied at one. And I think they have the ability to do that. But it's like the Nets defense in a microcosm was that last possession. I mean, you have, Two guys jumping at Marcus Smart, shooting a three, which I understand to an extent because there was not a lot of time left. Like, that whole play developed very quickly. But then Kevin Durant's just standing at the free throw line watching as Jason Tatum cuts behind him. Kyrie kind of tries to follow him. Tatum sp- spins around him and scores. Like, that possession is what worries me with the Nets. Is like, they, they clearly can't defend. And it doesn't, you know, sometimes it's not going to matter when they're scoring at will. But when it comes down to that last possession, you know, you take the team that can make the stop. And the Celtics... You know, granted, they let Kyrie go off. They got to stop when they needed it. And they, they were the best defensive team this year. The Nets don't have that defensively. Well, look, and that reason why they can't defend is why I texted you and a couple of our friends in, in the group chat that they should have fouled off the bat. Because the, the, the Celtics, re- and I've heard no one talk about this, so I'm probably an idiot for saying it, but I, I feel this way. You're the only person that said it. Because it's yeah. brilliant. It, it's, it's, it's 4D chess. Oh, no. No, it's not. All right, so the Celtics got the ball with 15 seconds left. They're not calling a timeout. You foul right there. You give them the two free throws. They make both. You're down one with 10 seconds left and two of the best players on the planet with the ball in their hands. I'm taking that. I, would you rather be – No. If you're the Nets, would you rather be down one, no. up one without the ball or down one with the ball in that situation? What would you rather? Uh, you have? always want to be winning. You always want to be winning the game down the stretch. You do not want to give them the lead for free. You like, don't want the last possession? in the right spot they win that game like no questions asked like they they if Kevin Durant plays defense they're fine like I, I can't fathom saying like okay give him the lead then we'll take the ball back and see what we can do when the last like the last session of the game you know Kyrie's shooting the ball they're gonna have like four guys on him KD had just missed a shot before I'm not I'm not taking those chances I trust my defense. guys to make shots no I like you can't it. do you cannot I like it. do that I, it's, it's no. gutsy it's ballsy it's the new era this is like what it's, it's Joe Madden. It's walking a team with the bases loaded. That's what it is. Yeah, Actually, and they won that the game. And they won that game <laughs> because they took the risk and they realized the risk of pitching to that dude was greater than the risk of, of walking the guy and knowing you're giving up one run. That's what the difference was. Is I would rather it's have my talented one run guys. For four. My if my best skill is offense, and that's what the Nets' best side of the ball is. It's offense. It's scoring. It's Kevin Durant. It's Kyrie Irving. I want them with the ball in their hands. I want them making the decision on on this game. I want them deciding who wins and who loses. Not Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics offense. I want my they offense. They also could have decided. The they could have decided who won the game by playing defense for one. Well, they can't play like, defense. Katie, Katie, all Katie had to do was play was put an effort. And he didn't put an effort. Like that's all it, it wasn't even like Tatum like, you know, juked them out. He just cut back door and Katie was sleeping. Like that's what that's what happened. It, it wasn't like Tatum made this incredible shot. I mean, it was a great play. It was a great spin move on Kyrie. But, like, Kyrie shouldn't have been in that position. He should not have been the one standing in the paint. So, 
yeah, I get it. They're not good defensively, like I said, but I, I can't say, you know, give them the lead and, and we'll see what happens. I, I can't say it. I mean, good job by the, the Celtics coach, though, to kind of wrap a bow on, on that debate for uh, Ime Udoka. The fact that he didn't he's call fantastic. that timeout. Sorry? He's fantastic. I mean, the fact that he had the trust in his team to not call a timeout there and not panic is impressive. You know, yeah. that that's impressive for sure. And and maybe this team, if they were used to his, you know, his coaching and, and gelled a little bit better earlier on in the season, maybe this is a team we're talking, you know, what, they're the two seed? Maybe they're the, the top seed in, in the East. Or maybe we don't think of them as, you know, a Met team because they've been on a tear the last two months. But if they could have gotten their stuff together in that first, you know, couple months of the season, maybe this is a completely different series for the Celtics and the Nets. I mean, if they're a top four seed and not playing, you know, the Celtics, like the situation they're in, they're sweeping or gentlemen sweeping every other team in there. I mean, the Hawks look terrible in game one. Um, the Bucks are going to wash the Bulls. It's like, they would have been fine. It's just, unfortunately, they were injured all year, and this is kind of yep. the, the card they drew. So it'd be an incredible run if they can do it. But uh, game two tomorrow, very very excited for that. It's going to be fun. I, I still uh, think the Boston Nets win this, again. though. I know it's like, because, I mean, look I at so what too. happened. Like, you don't expect KD to struggle like he did. So everything else is roughly the same, and KD plays to his, his efficacy. You only need, like, a handful more points from, you know, Bruce Brown, who, who only took three shots, and, and, and guys like that to actually make a difference. So I'm still confident if I'm the Nets. I agree. And also, I don't think Marcus Smart is, you know, going four of nine from three every game. Like, he had that hot streak that really kept the Celtics in it. So I, I agree. I think the Nets will be okay. It's going to be a fun series. But uh, let's talk some Yankees. Let's talk some Yankees because – in the midst of all the playoff basketball, the Yankees had an embarrassing weekend. Like, there's no other way to put it. It was an embarrassing weekend. They're playing Baltimore, a team that last year, the same thing happened. They struggled against them, barely won the series. You know, Tampa Bay only loses one game to Baltimore all, all year, and that's what wins them the division. Like, you talk about the top four teams in the AL East, they're going to split hairs, to be completely honest. Like, the Yankees took two or three from Boston. They, they split with the Blue Jays. And obviously, you'd like to win that Blue Jays series 3-1, but... That's a really talented team. So you're kind of thinking after those first two series, okay, this is kind of how it's going to go. Then we got to sweep the Orioles. Then we got the Tiger. Like, we have a pretty favorable schedule coming up. But instead, they drop an egg. Like, they're shut out 5 nothing on Sunday. They lose Friday 2-1 to one, uh, in extra innings. And then in between, you know, they win 5-2. to two, But it felt like the offense was dead until a hailstorm came through. And somehow the Yankees kind of collected themselves and came out hot after that. And that was where it felt like maybe the tides were turning for the offense. But then they turn around and lay an egg. It's 10 games. You're going to get a lot of reactions, but it's it's embarrassing. You you can't lose a series to the Orioles. You, you just can't do it. And Luke, do you want my reaction now after 10 games? Yes. After these 10 games, and really after this series, Luke, the Yankees aren't winning this division. It's already sealed 10 games into the season. Because look at how they played the Orioles the last handful of games, or the last handful of seasons. They stink again. They're, they're average against them. You know, 12 and 6, fine. You know what? 10 An and average fine. against you. Average against the Orioles equals stinks. Yes, exactly. So they might have a winning record against the Orioles. That's not good enough. If you're a team that wants to win this division, you've got to win all but two or three games against the Orioles. And they're not doing it. And I don't know if it's, if, if it's them taking the Orioles easily. I don't know if it's them, you know, taking their foot off the gas. If it's they just can't hit and they're, and they're not hitting the ball out of the park, which is hard to do in Camden Yards. It's a hitter-friendly ballpark. But the way that they played this series – and the fact that they scored five runs in a win and then one in the two losses, it's not enough. They're not winning this division when you can't beat up on the Orioles. The Rays last year, eight, what was it, 18-1? and one? That's what you need to yeah. be. You can't have two losses to the Orioles because if you sweep this series or you even go 2-1 and one in this series, you're talking about a 5-5 five and five team, what they are now, to a 6-4 and four team or a 7-3 and three team. 
And seven and three is a heck of a lot different than five and five. And that's what's so disappointing about this team. And that's why you're seeing this frustration from the fans where, look, you, you got to beat the bad teams. And when you can't do that, I don't know how you're beating the good teams. Now, counterpoint to your take, which I don't hate, to be completely honest. I had the Blue Jays winning the division. That hasn't really changed for me so far through 10 games. But the Rays are under 500 right now. The Red Sox are at 500. The Blue Jays are 6-4. and four. They almost lost the series to the A's. So it is early. I will say that. But I think the counter argument when it comes to the Yankees is, is it early or are we just say, seeing the same thing that we saw last year and the year before that? And I think that's a, a valid point. Like if, if this team was completely different, completely new, say, say it's the Mets, honestly, this year. The Mets are 5-5. Five and five. They lost that series to the Diamondbacks. I would be saying it's early, give them time. But when you look at this roster, it's like, okay, this is the same team. Like they should have figured it out by now. That, I think, is, is the point of concern. Because, look, this team is in, way too inconsistent. That's my problem. I, I still think the lineup's good enough on a given night to be anyone, but like it's it seems like they're either you know pouring it on or they're not scoring at all. Like I think they've been shut out twice already this year. Uh, they obviously the, the shutout to Baltimore. They got shut out by Toronto. Um, let's see. They, they lost five nothing. Lost two one to the Orioles. They lost uh, four nothing to or three nothing to Toronto. So they've been shut out three twice already. At one one run game against the Orioles. Like. The offense is not consistent, and that to me is going to be the biggest problem for this team. Is the pitching seems to be really solid. Like they've they've been the you know the best team in baseball when it comes to bullpen ERA. Their starters have been really good, but they're just so inconsistent offensively. And I just I don't know how you fix that. I really don't like. I don't know what needs to be unlocked with the Yankees because I look at the lineup and I see talent, and it's just it, it just hasn't clicked for for three years now. And I wonder, Luke, and I know we talked about the idea that the the Yankees have what is it, eight, nine starters for eight positions. And it, the, the idea that that's a problem to me is, is dumb. But I, I solved that problem, actually. What, it's DFAing Gleyber Torres? That Gleyber Torres is not a starter anymore. I, I can't, you can't feasibly But, but when, you, when you keep running him it's out, so bad. when you keep running him out, he, he is a starter. And I don't think, I think the issue, or I wonder if this is an issue, and again, I'd love to hear from a baseball player about this, because again, I'm, baseball to me is the one sport where it doesn't matter where you are in the lineup. It's still this, you're still preparing the same way, right? If I'm the one hitter or the nine hitter, I'm still preparing to hit the baseball when I get up to bat. You know, after the first inning or after the first couple of innings or at bat. I don't know. You think it's different? I mean, yes, the expectation the, is different. I think leading off is a little bit different. That's it. Because, like, all right, two through first, nine, the, is that fine then? Like, if I'm, if I'm sure, judge yeah. and one game Stanton's out and I'm batting three and the next day he's back in and I'm batting four or five, it doesn't matter. No, that shouldn't matter. No. So, so is is the issue for this team and the inconsistency that they have, the fact that they're just changing where they're playing in the field, and this is mostly the infielders. Is that the biggest issue? Where DJ's playing left, you know, first, second, third on any given night, right? Where I, I is is that it? Like I don't know. Are, are I really baseball don't know. Players or athletes this mentally soft, and I'm not saying that as they are mentally soft. Are they that soft that they can't adjust their surroundings and play different positions? Because look, Luke, I'm the same guy that thinks the left fielder should be able to play right field. I know it's different. But is this going to impact you as a team that much that guys just can't hit anymore and that they stink? Is is that is that what, I, what it's come down to? I seriously don't know. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, like, I, I can't really argue for or against it because I don't know. Like, I don't know what goes through the head. I don't know why these struggles are happening. And one thing I've noticed with this team is they're not walking anymore. Like, this was a team that w was getting on base at a high clip. They're 17th in the MLB in on-base percentage. They're third to last in runs per game, only in front of the Orioles and the Diamondbacks. Like, it's been 
abysmal at the plate. Like it hasn't even been like one of those situations where it's like, okay, you know, they, they aren't hitting with runners in scoring position. Don't get me wrong. They've been terrible at that again. But on top of that, they're not even really getting on base to set the table. Like we can't even complain about the double plays or the, the strikeouts with, with runners on because they're not even getting on base. So it, it's just so strange to me that you can have a collection of, you know, look at these eight guys outside of the catcher position. You could argue every single one of those dudes could be an all-star, except IKF. He's, he's the other guy I would say you couldn't argue could be an all-star. Every other guy you could say, okay, on any given year, this guy could be an all-star. And a lot of them you could say this guy could be an MVP candidate. You know, Josh Donaldson won an MVP. Stanton won an MVP. Judge has been in that conversation. DJ has been in that conversation. But for some reason, they just can't cohesively work together. And it's, it's frustrating when you have, say, you know, the Gallo-Stanton-Judge combo, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Like, that's when it hurts you when it's like, man, we can't get anyone on base. We can't get anyone rolling. And that's been the problem so far. They just, they have no kind of, there's no fluidity to the lineup. Like you see the Mets, they're like moving guys over, they're stealing bases, they're hitting situationally. And it's like for the Yankees, it's, it's just not there. And it's almost like they're all trying to do it themselves because you look at the players that they brought in Luke and you look at who they have Rizzo. He's a fine, you know, for average player. Traditionally, he's not a, a, a home run guy or nothing. But the heart of your order is Stanton, Judge, and, you know, Donaldson and, and Gallo. They're all pretty much power or nothing guys for the most part. And obviously Judge and Stanton, they can hit. They're good. But when four of your, your nine guys, their goal is to swing the bat as hard as they can, they're not all getting on base with that style. Like, why can't we switch from, okay, I'm leading off this inning. Can I just shorten up the swing and get a base hit versus I need a home run here? Because when you're trying for that home run, your average dips. And I understand the philosophy the Yankees have is home run, walk, or strikeout. And I'm not asking Aaron Judge to bunt the ball down the third base side to move a guy over. Or even Stanton to do that. Or Gallo to do that. What I'm asking is, can we have some IQ and understand that not every hit needs to be a home run? Because you look at the guys they have. Hicks is getting on base a third of the time. He's been awesome this season. He's, everyone needs to apologize to Aaron Hicks. Right? Diesel May, who's back to his... His usual stuff. He's betting 321. Stanton and Judge hitting both above 250. Right? Would you like that a little higher? Sure. But they're getting on I'd base. I'd like Judge to be a lot better. I'd like Judge to be a lot His better. His on-base percentage I think is he's been the biggest disappointment. Like, that's okay. Yeah, but, I mean, he's usually up there. Like, he's only had five walks, ten strikeouts. He's not really hitting for power. Like, he's a guy that can hit, like, two. Like, I expect him to hit over 275. But, like, again, on a like, basis. it's early. And I'm not panicking. Yeah, about, it's very early. I'm not. I mean, he could panicking. He about could have them. four hits tonight, and he'll be hitting 400. Like it, it is early. I think for sure. the panic but, for me is that nothing's changed. It, they're all trying to hit the home run. That's all they do, and I get that's their style, but that's not a winning style. We've seen it before. So if this is the way you're going to play, the fans are going to react the exact same way because this is what you are now. You're a team that's going to try to hit the home run, and at this point, you can't do it, and you're better off trying to just get on base. And eventually pass the baton along. That that's all you yeah. need. This no, point. I agree. And and usually I'd say you know look at like you know what's coming up. They've got Detroit. They've got Cleveland. They got Baltimore, Kansas City. Like so many get right games, but you can't trust them. You can't trust them to win these get right games. It's, and you know Detroit's a team that has some pop in their lineup. They're kind of a fun young team, but they're gonna strike out a lot. Like if Garrett Cole has less than ten strikeouts tonight, that's worrisome to me. Like if he doesn't vote on the tight because. Because we 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 see Garrett Cole a little bit differently. I know you were saying like it's been frustrating. Like he's getting paid all his money. He's got an ERA almost at six, and I know it's early, right. And I but I don't even care about strikeouts in this game. Just just get them out. Just just don't give up runs. Don't have one bad yeah. pitch that that's sent into the third deck. Because then you're not a good pitcher. If you have one bad pitch, and it's a home run, and you give up three runs on that play, 
But you give up three runs, and you're and you're not a good pitcher. You've got to work around those situations. And I don't care if it's a, a single for one run. Like, you, you got to keep it tight. And I know there's a lot of conversation about the resting and, and the rotation and stuff like that. Gallo and Rizzo sitting yesterday was inexcusable to me, especially because Rizzo's been almost the same against lefties in his career. You have a day off the next day. Like, sitting Judge on Jackie Robinson Day was also a terrible idea. Um, but with Judge, like a Judge and Stanton, we've kind of become accustomed to like, okay, they're going to get these weird days off. But like, but you know what I hated about the Judge thing? Your best hitters out. One in the in the third game of a series in which you're tied to one one, you've got to have all hands on deck. You can't rest anybody. You need to win that series. Agreed. And two to rest Judge on Jackie Robinson Day, no, on the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, is just so tone deaf. Like you couldn't give him the day off, the next day off, because you still lost that game. You still could have used Aaron Judge in that game one. Yeah. So the fact that we're resting him on such an important day, he's got the Jackie Robinson cleats ready to go. He showed her on Instagram. Like, what are we doing here? Like, and, also, and I'm all about the rest. I'm all about the rest. But push it a day back. Is it crazy to say, like, in the back of the Yankees' minds, like, hey, this might be the last year we have of Aaron Judge. Why are we not playing him 155 games? Like, why are we not? I'm not saying run him into the ground, but, like, at this point, like, every – injuries he's had it seems like it's been a fluke it hasn't been because you know he's been you know you know he he runs the first I don't even know I don't know what rest prevents I guess it's like the the like running injuries like I don't really know for the most part I guess it's just general wear and tear building up and stuff like that but like I don't know to me it's like judge shouldn't be sitting you know you had an off day today he should have played the whole Baltimore series in my opinion so I don't know it's probably maybe torque on the on the abs or the the body whenever you're swinging as hard as he swings but I, I don't disagree with you, and I think rest is fine, and and hopefully soon you realize who your starting guys are, and maybe the Glaber gets put to the bench. But when you put Glaber to the bench, you might as well DFA him because he's useless. He can't hit. He can only play second base. He's it's it's really sad how how poorly they've mismanaged all the assets they had. You know, even three four years ago, right? Greg Bird, yeah, he had a good year or two, turns to nothing. Luke Voigt trade him for a for a good prospect, but one that's like. 16 years old or however yeah. old he is right <laughs> uh clint frazier you have to dfa and duhar can't even make the the 40-man roster the mlb roster at this point where like the, these were the guys that you were bringing up you know torres was bringing up and you've got nothing out of them you know you look at their, yeah. their lineup basically all the guys they have it's aaron judge who you brought in yourself or guys you traded for or signed in free agency that is crazy to me that you couldn't develop and a singular talent they, they're so good at developing pitching. I don't know what's the disconnect with the hitters. And I think with – it's like – it's almost like the Yankees were forced to make this team. Like, this was supposed to be, like, a young athletic team. Like, you know, it was supposed to be, like you said, Judge and Duhar, you know, Torres, like, all these young guys coming up, and then you can add some guys. But it felt like almost – now they're cornered into signing these guys, like, you know, trading for Stanton and trading for Gallo and just trying to make something work because what they were trying to do didn't work. So I wonder if that's part of it, too, is, like, they weren't expecting to have this roster construction, but it reached the point where it's like, man, none of our young hitters are working out for us. Gary Sanchez in the mix there as well. Like they almost just had to, to call an audible. But it, it's you can't bring in young like you can't bring in like athletic dudes, you know. And I'm not saying you need to bring in Francisco Lindor, but Lindor's athletic. He's a good player. Uh, Javi Baez, athletic. You know, I, I Chris Bryant is not you know a stick. He's got some some moves going on. You know who else? Like Starling Marte. Right, like you look at the Mets just across the street, and yeah, they spent a lot of money. But if you take out Max Scherzer out of their their lineup or their rotation, 
You know, it's roughly the same payroll, and they've got guys, and they've got flaws, right? But J.D. JD Martinez, or J.D. Martinez, J.D. Davis can move around a little bit, right? Dom Smith has that athleticism to play outfield or first base. So how are the Mets able to do this without the resources the Yankees have had up until this year, but the Yankees can't do it? And they're all about these frail dudes that can just swing really hard. Yeah, and the Mets, I mean, they're off to a great start, 7-3. and three. Uh, I mean, they took care of business. You'd have liked to sweep the Diamondbacks, but they take 2-3. of three. And look, are we – is it overhype with the Mets, or do you think it's legit? I like the way they play. They're hitting with runners in scoring position. They've got a really solid starting rotation, even without DeGrom and with only two innings of uh, Taiwan Walker. I think Carrasco's been awesome. I think that's the X factor of that rotation that lets you overcome injuries like DeGrom and, and at this point, Walker. It'll take time, right? It's an interesting question because we've seen this story before. They dominate early and then they fall off. But it feels like Buck Showalter almost won't let them fall off like they did last year. And I'm not saying because he's a great manager or anything, just because he's a baseball dude and he's old and he, he's got managerial experience where he can be like, guys, like, wake up, like, figure this out sort of thing. All he has to do is stand at the top of the dugout and then go like this. And everyone on Twitter freaks out. No, but uh, it, it's just funny because I feel like the the polar opposites are are just crazy. Like it's like okay, the Yankees are done for, and the Mets are like on a track to now win two World Series in the next decade. Which I don't think is that crazy of a take. I mean, you got ten years for that. It's a lukewarm take. Like let's be honest here. People yeah, people got it, excited because but the man's crediting a a ninety five year old Buck Showalter and thirty three dudes sitting around computers. Yeah, and I think the Mets are really good. And we talked about when they hired Buck. It's like, okay, they have a, an analytics department and a, a kind of an old school guy. Like, they're mixing it together. It's working really well. And I think they're a really good team. I thought they were going to be a playoff team when the year started. Um, and they, they backed it up so far. I mean, Lindor is playing significantly better. And he is just so important to this team. I mean, you, you can't be spending all that money for a, for a guy that's not producing. And he's producing this year. So, I agree. They're fun to watch. They're going to be great. And I'm not trying to, to rain on the parade. It's just like it, – it's just crazy. Like, the 10-game sample size can go, like, so many different directions when it comes to these teams. But I get it because the Yankees – We've seen the story before with the Mets. This is the first chapter. You know, we're, we're just starting to kind of get introduced to this new era of, of the Mets. And also, like, let's be real here: the, the Mets are two games up than on the Yankees, seven three and five and five. How are we that? How is there that big of a disconnect between the fan bases where Yankees fans are, are screaming and, and bawling, and, and Mets fans are you know ready to to start the the World Series parade down the uh this the the Street of Champions, whatever it's called. Yeah, but you know the Mets. If they lose this series three, like three games to one, they're gonna be cynical again. So it's 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 how sports work. It's the ebbs and flows. And I totally get it. Um, but it's it's been ten games. Um, yeah, like the A Rod take. I mean, I don't it's hate fine. it. It's hard to win to, to to win multiple World Series in ten years. I mean, the Giants have done it recently, but not a lot of teams do it. I mean, even the Dodgers, with with all their glory, have won one championship since the '80s, and it was in a sixty-game season. Not to discredit it, but. It just shows how hard it is to, to win the whole damn thing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's early. But I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Matt, for odd man. Um, but actually, before I do, I got, I got the boy in my lap right now. So if this Excuse is me? I want to see. We've got – Who's in your lap? No. Ah, uh, the boy. The new puppy. Not uh, an actual boy. That was, that was a bad intro. But here he is, him. folks. Bruno Diggs. Uh, show me the camera. The people on the Watling and Owen show. He's being a little squirmy right now. You've been a little squirmy. What is he? He's 12 weeks old <laughs> at this point. He's 12 weeks old. Cavalier King Charles. Uh, he's, he's a good boy. He's a handful at times. But uh, 
He's the, the newest member of the show. He's been very good today. He's been very patient while I do the show. So uh, here he is, people, Bruno Diggs. Bruno, what are your thoughts name. on your uh, owner having less style than you? <laughs> he's got far more drip than me. He really does. But uh, uh, he's, he's going to be raised very well as a, as a Bills fan. Middle name is uh, – it's a nice play on a dog and Stefan Diggs. So that is, oh, that is where the middle name – Oh, because he can dig in, in the dirt. That's right. And then Bruno is just a name that we liked. I don't want to hear the Encanto song. It has nothing to do with that, but people keep talking about it. So I have to address it. And, and as the, the dog's godfather, I, I promise to do everything I can to make sure that, that that dog is raised well if anything happens to you, Luke. <laughs> That's right. Yes. If I, if I ever perish, uh, yes. you, you'll, you'll be in a long list of people that want it. Well, so. I think I'm first because I'm the godfather, correct? Well, you haven't even seen him. You haven't even come to visit has him. Has anyone yet. else seen so, him? I don't know. Uh, a lot of people have seen him. Yeah, a lot of people stopped by. Okay. Well, I hadn't getting. I didn't get an invite. You've been out of. You've been out of. Well, you've been out of commission for like a week yeah. now. I thought to show up so yesterday, I, I but it. I think you were at work or something. I just assumed. Well, you said we're not having a show on Monday. Oh, you mean at my house? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll swing by tomorrow. Like, maybe you will. Are you, are you working you tomorrow uh, night? No, not at night. So maybe no. I'll swing by. I'll, I'll say what's up to, oh, okay. to my my young son. Zoftic. Yes. Uh, let's get to man rush. God, man. Uh, we've got some <laughs> some interesting. I guess I won't touch on the uh, the Mavs and Jazz series since you don't really care about it. You know, there's no juice for you. Well, can I can I say why I don't care about? Well, it? you did. You said you don't care without Luca. And also that like we've watched this Jazz team in the playoffs like five years now, and they just do the same thing every time. It's just like all right, like Donovan Mitchell's incredible. I don't know if you saw this though. I think it's four or five years in a row now that Donovan Mitchell has allowed uh, an opposing point guard to go for their career playoff high. So defensively, he's not all there, but it's just like him and Gobert, I think they need to blow it up in Utah. Like, I, I just think they need to try something new. It seems like everyone's saying it's already a done deal. Like Stephen A. Smith yes. and, and, you know, all the commentators, they're basically saying it's done. So I don't know why they didn't make a move here, that this, this, you know, deadline or whatever you want to call it, to actually try to get better. But I guess the idea is to break it down before you waste all their careers and, and get nothing for them. Yeah, it, I think it's about time. I mean, it's just – it's like – it's insanity. It's doing the same thing over and expect, Like, they're a great – they're a really good regular season team. They'll make the playoffs every year, and then they're going to probably disappoint. And that's kind of what happened this year. Uh, how about the Golden State Warriors, Luke? Steph Curry comes back from injury, puts up 34 points in 23 minutes off the bench. Jordan Poole puts up 29 minutes. They outscore the the Denver Nuggets, who are without Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. You know, just just as an aside, they're without their starting point guard, which That's they've true. been without for you know much of the season. It seems like they've been outscored by thirty six points in two games. Yeah, it's Yikes. been bad. It's been bad. And how funny is it that the third Splash Bros last name is Pool? That is pretty funny. But they, I mean, it's. They're good. Like that. That's a fun team. Like I thought about taking a future on them just because it, it'd be such a fun story and a fun thing to watch. Like, like I used to love the Warriors. Like I had the Steph Curry shoes, the socks, the jersey. Like in high school, I used to really love them. And then obviously KD went there, and it wasn't cool to like them anymore. You had to, you had to hate them. But like when they were coming, up, this feels like when Clay and Steph were coming up in the league. And it's like, man, this is fun to watch. They're, they're just they're fun. They're really fun. Well, Luke, guess guess who has a uh, future on this Golden State team? You yeah I got I got a couple of futures here if you wow. want I'll, I'll rattle them off real quickly uh let me pull up the the old sports book here I've got my oh, uh, NBA futures let's guy. see here I've got 
open. Let's go here. There's a lot of bets here that I got to deal with. Oh, I got the Yankees <laughs> World Series winner for this year. I got that on a free bet. That's already a loss. You said that's a loss already. No, I said they wouldn't win the division. I didn't say anything about the World Series. I've got the Nets <laughs> winning the World the uh, World Series. The NBA championship at uh, plus 425. That was a $10 right, free I bet. I like that. I got Golden State winning it at plus 450. Dropped, I dropped okay. 25 on that because I thought I was getting some kind of boost and it, it didn't work out. <laughs> um, and then I've also got the Toronto Maple Leafs outright winning the Stanley Cup. That is your team. No, I also that have the Islanders team. winning the Stanley Cup. That's not happening. And I've got the Buffalo Bills no. winning the 2023 Super Bowl. Wow. So there you go. Got them at like plus yeah. 700. I've heard whisperings about a potential team of destiny in the NHL, but nothing official yet. I'm, I'm leaning Maple Leafs. I'm leaning Maple Leafs. You know, these last 10 games of the season, if I can see Jack Campbell just put up like a 9-15 save percentage, then I might go all in because it, it feels like it's right. them. It feels like it should be them. I don't trust the Avalanche right now. The East is super flawed. You know, Carolina's without Freddie Anderson. Calgary Flames, they're, they're pretty good. They, I could see them winning it too. I think Tampa's going to get gassed by the end of it. But let's get back into odd man rush, Luke. You know, we, we haven't we don't have a whole lot of time left. Uh, the 76ers are up 2-0 on Toronto. It feels like that that series is kind of a wash with Scotty Barnes out after spraining his ankle in game one. Uh, Nick Nurse has been complaining all series long with, with free throws and, and fouls. Well, kind of makes sense. Joel Embiid took 14 free throws in game two, Luke, more than the entire Raptors team. And, and 14 is not even that much. So, for a team, I should say. And, yeah. I get the complaints, but I mean, Embiid was getting mauled last night. Like you, you there were like two guys like hammering him at all times. I think the complaint, like if the Raptors think they're not getting enough calls, I get that. But I think Embiid's been called fairly well. I don't think that's been a major issue. But interesting to see Nurse and Embiid go back and forth like during the game. Right, and that's all the NBA talk we've got for Adman Rush. Uh, Deshaun Watson's at Brown's voluntary workouts. Uh, no, no Baker Mayfield. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah, not surprised there. Uh, the the podcast he had where he was saying like how he feels disrespected, things like that. I think they're just gonna have to cut him. I don't even know if they get anyone for him at this point. I, I think it's kind of past. Like the carousel is gone. I think you almost just gotta cut him out right at this point. I don't completely disagree with what he was saying though. And I, and the, the booing thing, no, I, I think was funny in, in, a, in a bit that he probably shouldn't have said. But if the Browns ownership said, "Yeah, we're not going after Deshaun Watson." And then, you, and then you get him. Like, you, you got to sit down with Baker Mayfield. You've invested so much into him. You, you kind of owe him, you know, the courtesy of him not finding out on Twitter. In my opinion, at least. And, yeah, he's been a handful. And, yeah, he's kind of a, a weird dude. But you, you can't just be like, hey, man, listen. Like, we like what you're doing. But this is an opportunity we can't pass up. We need to get Deshaun Watson for, for whatever reason. You can't just tell him that. And I, I think Seattle right now is, like, the number one destination for him, I saw when the Panthers were rumored, Robbie Anderson was not happy about that. But, like, is Robbie Anderson really going to complain about getting Baker when Sam Darnold was quarterback? Like, well, let's be honest. Come on. Now. Maybe he still is believes that... in Sam Darnold. I well, I don't know if you saw today the uh, the new – Ben McAdoo, former Who's the... giant uh, yeah. head coach. Yeah, Ben McAdoo let it slip that Darnold's his guy. So and he how said, does I probably this happen? Said that. How does Ben McAdoo, who I don't hate <laughs> as an offensive mind, I think he was fine. He was a head coach in New York. He he went yeah. through the the media you know the, the media cycle the the spin cycle that is the New York media, and this man goes yeah Donald's our starting quarterback a minute and thirty six seconds later he says yeah I'm still kind of learning how to deal with the media probably shouldn't have said that how do you not know uh, you were in New York for for more than a cup of coffee a couple years oh yeah that's ridiculous. that's tough I I don't know how to defend that you're completely right indefensible uh two more things Luke we'll move over to baseball. 
The Red Sox will be without at least Tanner Hoke, their starting pitcher, who is slated to pitch game two of that series. Uh, Crow was asked if he expects other players to, uh, multiple other players be, to miss. He said, yeah, but then nobody followed up. So we just got to wait and see. <laughs> I think this is really going to be interesting. I mean, I know the A's were without a couple players, but it's the A's, so like no one talked about it. But like, man, if you see the Red Sox, the Yankees, the but Rays no going up there. And not... Who was going to miss? Like it was right there. <laughs> I gotta wait a, a I three, know. four days now, because you know, you know they're not gonna be there. You're not gonna see them in the clubhouse. You couldn't just tell yeah. me, like, come on, guys, come on. Uh, in, in a weekend when true. Nick Friedel dominated, you know, asking Kyrie questions and got an answer that he wanted in a respectful manner, <laughs> we can't just be like, yeah, who, who? Because we know who it's gonna be in in three days' time. Oh my, just pissing me off today. I'm sorry. Um. No, I get that. Uh, last one. We didn't get to talk about it last week. It's kind of old news at this point. But when I was driving home last week after Clayton Kershaw was pulled after seven perfect innings, it, a lot went through my mind, and I kind of wanted to get your take on it, Luke. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, 13 strikeouts on last Wednesday, 80 pitches thrown. Basically said, yeah, like, I don't think I was quite geared up yet. He said that, you know, me pitching a perfect game is a, is a personal accomplishment. It's a me accomplishment. I'm more looking forward to winning a championship or helping this team sort of thing. So what was your thoughts on – Kershaw getting pulled after seven. It's really tricky because I think MLB doesn't help itself. I mean, what other sport on like a rant? I think it was like like a Wednesday or a third. Like what other sport on like three o'clock on a Wednesday has everyone dialed in on something? No other sport can say that. Like th- this was a like a, it could have been a really historic moment. I mean, the first start of the year, a hitter where you have like three walks and like four errors, like whatever. I mean. You saw – and you can say like, you saw it happen. Like, Johan Santana, he died after the no-hitter. Like, that was it for him. That was, that was it for his career. And I know the Dodgers are expecting a deep playoff run, and they want to have Kershaw healthy. And it's just unfortunate because I understand the reasoning. Like he said, like, I've only pitched 75 in a simulated game. I haven't been out there. But I think he would have had enough juice. Like, he had an efficient pitch count. He had to get through two innings. And if he lets him a hit, it's over right there. So I would have liked to see him keep going. But it's, it's hard to argue when he – I don't know if he's defending Dave Roberts or what, but – when he comes out and says, like, yeah, you know, I wasn't I wasn't ready to do it, like, it's hard to argue against, but it certainly doesn't help the sport. I see, but I don't think the Dodgers or, or Dave Roberts has that, – that's not his job to help the sport. No, that's his true. Job is to win his games. job is to win and championships. I hate when people say this is so bad for baseball. Well, look at the way baseball is heading. They aren't trying to pitch perfect games anymore or complete games they're trying to get six innings out of their guy and yanking them for the bullpen like so why does why does it fall on dave roberts who has to try to help baseball? no it doesn't it doesn't fall on him i think it's just a more of a comment on the league as a whole like there's something cool happening but sorry once once the alert comes out everyone turns on the game and all they're talking about is how kershaw's not coming in like, that's tough. Like, I get the alert from the MLB app. I open up MLB TV. I'm ready to go. And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's uh, Kershaw's not coming out anymore. So it's just one of those things. Like, I, you, you're completely right. I think it's a great point. You know, it's not Dave Roberts' job to save the game or grow the game. He wants to win a championship. And I saw some clown Dodgers reporter was like, I personally would rather see Kershaw throw a perfect game than the Dodgers win the World Series. I was like, you're, you're a hack. A perfect game in April in 30-degree weather in Minnesota is, is more important than winning the World Series. Come on now. Like, we've gone that, – that's just completely overboard. I do think, though, that Kershaw has, the, has done so much for that team that he kind of has the right to decide what he wants, in my opinion. He's done I so agree. much. I think if Kershaw went up to Roberts and said, I'm pitching, then he's pitching. Right. I agree, but it, feel, it felt like he didn't really fight it. Which, at that point, I hope he gets another chance. He deserves it. He's one of the best pitchers he's, of this generation. He's got no hitter. It's not the same. I know perfect games, though. 
But his his no hitter was one error. Like it should have been a perfect game. It was tough. But yeah, you're right. Well, you're you, right. you know what? If if my aunt had hair on her back, she'd be my uncle. So it doesn't matter. That's right. It's tough. But if, uh, I think it was Machado made the error at third that uh cost him a perfect game. So that's that's tough. It's unfortunate. And and you know, hopefully. Did you see the? Uh, this is random because I, I was thinking about Manny Machado. Did you see the the new uh, Motorola logo that the the Padres are gonna have next year on the uniform? Yeah, because they're going to the. It's on the. You patch. saw it? Yeah, it's on the sleeve. Yeah, people are like freaking out. I'm like, it's just a patch on the sleeve. It's not like it's uh, taking up. It's not a soccer jersey. We've been dealing it. Up. We've been dealing with this in in <laughs> in uh what basketball for a couple of years now. Does anyone care? Yeah, no one no. even notices. Also, this Ridiculous. is San Diego. Let's not act like it's the Yankees. It's like when the Yankees threw a Nike sign on it, which wasn't even advertised. It was hey, no one even cares. Nike anymore. makes our jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> but if the Yankees do put a, an ad on their jersey, I think I'd feel a way about it. I agree. You know, I if the Red Sox like do it, patch, if the Dodgers you know? do it, I'd feel a way about it. Can, what, can, can we do the helmet instead? Can we do the helmet? Yeah. Like, yeah I'm okay I agree. with helmet, back the, of the, the helmet jersey. Sticker. Or maybe on, like, maybe on the pants, like on the left butt cheek. Little, yeah, there you go. Have, like, have, like Target sponsor it, so it'll be, like, just a Target <laughs> right, on the, right on the butt. <laughs> I like Let's that. Do there that. we go. Now we're thinking. Uh, that'll do it for Odd Man Rush, Luke. I'll, I'll throw it back to you. And that'll do it for the show. Thank you guys for listening, watching, subscribing, wherever you are with the Wilding and Owen Show. I'm Luke Owens. He's Matt Wilding. We'll be back next Monday. We'll break it all down. We'll talk some Nets Celtics. We'll see if the Yankees can take care of business with their, their easy series coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll have to, to, to stay tuned for that one. But for Matt Wilding, Luke Owens, Bruno Diggs, we'll catch you guys next time.